Hello, everyone. My name is J.B. Hickson with Not By Works Ministries, proclaiming the clear, accurate, and urgent gospel message from my studio beneath the sky nestled in the tall timbers of Colorado. Thank you for joining us today. It is Thursday, June 29th, 2023, and I'm delighted to have back on uh, my good friend and colleague Lucas Doremus uh, to talk about his book, Deceiving by Signs, A Study of Power, Signs, and Lying Wonders in the Bible. We had him on a couple of weeks ago and uh, kind of talked about this, um, you know, but we didn't get through it all. So I wanted to be sure and have him back on for kind of part two of this discussion. And before we get to that, let me mention just a couple of things as we uh, get near the end of the week this week. Uh, we kicked off the week uh, Sunday at Plum Creek Chapel with uh, my continuing uh, series through the book of Nehemiah. And I hope you'll check out that message uh, at notbyworks.org. Just click on, click on the videos tab and you'll see a link there to our Sunday sermons. Uh, and then we started the week on Monday uh, with uh, my friend and colleague Brad Maston on the show uh, talking about the deceiver and his purposes. A lot of scripture, a lot of cross-referencing of uh, just biblical texts that deal with Satan and his deceptive plan, uh, ultimately leading toward deceiving the whole world into a one-world government led by the Antichrist. On Tuesday, we had Prophecy Night. Wow, what a special night it was. My folks were in town from Texas. And uh, we just did a kind of a conversation with uh, my parents and talked about the Lord's hand of blessing on their lives through the years, how they came to know the Lord, what their upbringing was life like, and and then uh, kind of their interest in Bible prophecy and just really a, a free form, great discussion. The Lord really used it. There were some touching moments. Uh, I encourage you to watch that video. Again, that was Prophecy Night from Tuesday night. All of our videos and podcasts are available at notbyworks.org. Uh, and then uh, last night, uh, or yesterday, I guess I should say, we had our weekly world events update with Randy. Uh, that's always get, gets a lot of traction and lots going on. In fact, as we were starting this podcast just a moment ago, I got some more texts from Randy that I'm looking forward to digesting and kind of uh, seeing uh, what's going on there. So, uh, but today, uh, Thursday, we'll have uh, our podcast here with Lucas Doremus. Nothing on the slate for tomorrow. Uh, so enjoy the the weekend, and we'll uh, hopefully see you Sunday at Plum Creek Chapel, either in person or via live stream at notbyworks.org. But Lucas and I have known each other for a number of years. It's Lucas Doremus, D-O-R-E-M-U-S. Uh, authored several books. Uh, we've worked together in ministry contexts before. Uh, just consider him a dear friend. Really appreciate uh, his heart and his love for the Word of God. And he's just a uh, just the consummate Bible teacher and Bible student of the Word. Uh, if you want to stay in touch with Lucas, you can go to the website What Says the Scripture. Dot com. That's what says the scripture.com. Uh, you may also be familiar with Lucas through the Christian Underground News Network and Curtis Chamberlain. As you know, we're on that program uh, once or twice a month now for several years. And Lucas is also a standing guest uh, and partner with that ministry. And so you can listen to him uh, on the podcast channel for the Christian Underground News Network as well. But Lucas, welcome back to the program. You know, we've uh, we've been talking about the biblical, I guess, a biblical theology, if you will, of the signs and wonders concept. And in my Spirit of the Antichrist books and in my teaching over the last several years about the Luciferian conspiracy, I've made, uh, you know, a major point to, to, to talk about uh, the upsurge in paranormal and phenomenalistic type of activities that are going on. And uh, the reason I really love your book and want to promote it, uh, by the way, you can get his book, Deceiving by Signs, at Amazon.com, um, is because you do such a masterful job of really dealing with this from a thoroughly biblical perspective. I give some biblical background in my books, but then mostly I'm dealing with current events and anecdotal evidence that that is manifestations of this upsurge. Uh, but uh, you've got a lot to say in these books that I wish everybody would read. So welcome back to the program, uh, Lucas. Thanks, JV. It's great to be back. So uh, kind of fire away, get us started uh, like we did last time. Uh, again, if you want to listen to part one, uh, you can go to the notbyworks.org website, click on podcasts, and let me see if I can find the date. It was uh, June 19th, so that was 10 days ago on a Monday, um, and uh, you can listen to part one of this, uh, uh, of this interview, but uh, fire away. Yeah, so last time we went through a number of the demonic signs or demonic powers that demons have, and uh, 
you know, sometimes when you're talking about that stuff, you can, I, I don't want to get overly sensational. You know, we, like, I remember the one that sticks out in my mind that we did last time is I talked about being able to like shoot fire out of your hands or something. And I want to make sure, like, I'm not saying that will happen, but I'm also not saying it won't happen, you know, if that makes sense. And so I wanted to start off with a passage in Deuteronomy 13. And this is the first five verses of Deuteronomy 13. And it says, if there arises among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and he gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder comes to pass, of which he spoke to you, saying, let us go after other gods, which you have not known, and let us serve them. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or the dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul. And so, this is Old Testament, you know, this is the law. And so he's going to go on in verse four and five, and he's actually going to tell him to put that prophet or dreamer of dreams to death. Now, you know, we're the church, we're not under the law, we're not putting people to death if they're false prophets. Uh, but the point I want to make is that God is saying this is going to happen, as in there are going to be people that are able to perform signs and wonders. And when that happens, you need to analyze what's going on. Uh, and if they ever get it wrong, as in it's not it, that means it's not from God, you're supposed to put them to death in the Old Testament. Again, we don't do that today, but the concept is we're watching out for this, and this does happen. Uh, and notice also the motivation of this sign or wonder. Let us go after other gods. So we talked about this, and JB, your books are all about it. The name of the game is deception. These signs or wonders are there to take you away from God. So when that's the case, when the goal is deception, it can be from the smallest little poltergeist thing in your house up to the biggest lights in the sky you can imagine. Yeah. So, I mean, when people see kinds of these things like UFOs and paranormal type things, cryptids, I don't think they often make the direct connection between that and deception. But what, mm -hmm. what you're saying is that deception is really the ultimate goal behind these things, right? Yeah. Uh, one of the one of the interesting ones, and I know you've done probably more research than I have, JB, is the whole cattle, cattle mutilation mm. phenomena. Yeah. Uh, if you get the ones that, are, if you get the guys that have really gone out there and done the research, you know, like I've got a book that I'm currently finishing. As far as I can tell, he's not a believer, but he will openly say this doesn't make sense in any kind of alien context. It doesn't make sense in a government a government cover up concept. This is something different. And it's just weird, basically. Now, if you come at it from the Bible, where the whole point is deception. Well, not that I can explain why those things are going on or every case, but at least I've got a framework to say this is something deceptive that is meant to take us away from God. And actually, in the biblical sense, I, I can understand this event taking place. Yeah, it's not about what it's about. Yeah, we talk extensively about animal mutilations in chapter 10 of Spirit of the Antichrist, volume 2. Um, but yeah, we don't necessarily have to have a cause and effect type explanation. Uh, there's something bigger at play that is, as you said from uh, Deuteronomy, leading people away from the Lord toward other gods. Now, uh, I like the way you pointed out that that was under the law. So the, the way in which you interacted with false prophets is different than today. But we don't have any indication in the New Testament that such types of uh, false signs and wonders ceased, do we? I mean, they're still happening today? Oh, yeah, we do. In fact, in Acts, it talks about Simon the sorcerer. Mm -hmm. And I know, JB, you were the one that pointed this out. Simon the sorcerer believed Mm -hmm. uh, he was a sorcerer. He did magic. Uh, he was regarded as somebody with power. Uh, he believed in Jesus Christ as a savior. And then what happened? He messed up because <laughs> he was used to doing that all his life. He saw the power of the Holy Spirit that I think it was Philip that mm -hmm. had. Um, and he wanted that because that's what he was used to. Well, yeah. that, that doesn't mean he never believed. It just means he was going back to his old ways, which were this magic, sorcery, witchcraft kind of thing. Which there's a lot of 
theology packed into that uh, historical narrative. Uh, as you pointed out, uh, a lot of commentators will take that passage and assume, well, he must not have really been saved because, you know, no Christian would engage in that type of sorcery. Uh, not true at all. Uh, you know, he was clearly saved. The text says he was saved. It would be bizarre indeed for Luke, under the inspiration of the Spirit, to tell us that he believed in Jesus uh, and, 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 you know, the New Testament over and over again tells us that that's the one way a person has to be saved. And yet, in this case, it didn't really take. I mean, that would make no sense theologically. So there's no question he was saved. So then the implication of that is, and maybe you can help uh, shed some light on this, uh, Lucas, uh, is Christians can dabble in this kind of stuff too, right? Absolutely. And if you go and talk about this stuff in churches, you will inevitably people have come up that say, yeah, as a kid, I played with a Ouija board or yeah, I, I you know, I, I got on this. <laughs> it's on phone apps now. You know, I mean, the uh, the C SETI, Stephen Greer, you know, they've got phone apps to try to teach you how to make contact with aliens now or whatever it is, you know, the transcendental meditation, all that you know, absolutely. And you will find plenty of believers that said, yeah, I tried that, or I checked my horoscope or, you know, and that doesn't mean you didn't believe. It means you shouldn't get involved in that because there's not anything in the word of God that says we should be getting involved in those kind of practices. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, and you, Simon the Sorcerer, that's church age. Now I can't, I, I reference it in the book. I can't remember exactly where it is in Acts, but it's in one of the cities where Paul went and it actually makes reference that after he there's this great revival, uh, they go out and burn their magic books. And it was, I think, 50,000 pieces of silver. Now, it, it's a little difficult. Let's just say it's a lot of money. I don't remember exactly if you try to convert it to modern day currency. I don't know what it would be, but it would be a lot of money. Now, think about that. That was a lot of people that had a lot of scrolls, books on magic and how to do it and maybe potions or whatever that's all church age that should be our response is that when we get saved we don't have to get rid of all those things to be saved because all we have to do is believe but we should because god doesn't want us to be involved in that anymore yeah go ahead yeah i, I was gonna say and if you have been involved in that uh god forgave you of it there's no reason to feel guilty about it. Just don't do it anymore because that's not what a believer should be involved in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's uh it's it's really funny how we develop these, you know, perspectives that there's this dark side. I mean, first of all, most people in, in conservative Christian realm tend to dismiss the the paranormal, right? As if it's all fakery, it's all trickery. And I know you would agree some of it is, right? I mean, there's oh, yeah. the whole bait and switch type, you know, illusionists like we talked about last time on the program. Mm -hmm. But um, but most Christians don't really have a category for the real unseen evil side of things. Uh, so that's their starting point. And then when you try to lead them to, first of all, even accept that that stuff is real, and then you try to suggest that even believers can be caught up in it, well, now you're really fighting an uphill battle. I mean, how have people responded to some of your teaching on this? Uh, sometimes it's it gets a little defensive. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what's interesting is, uh, oh, by the way, I found it's Acts chapter 19, where it talks about the, the, the revival that Paul had uh, in Ephesus. And then they brought these 50,000, the value of the books. It's Acts chapter 19. Um, but what I've found is, when you like, you know, we talked about entertainment a little bit last time, you know, like Disney movies and things. And again, I'll say very, very openly, if you are a believer and you watch a Disney movie, you are not sinning. Like that is a mindset between you and God. I want to be very clear for that because I've noticed, especially with entertainment, even if you just say, I don't watch or I don't read that or I don't play that, I've found that people tend to want to defend it without you ever saying you shouldn't do that or anything because i have and i say this in the book i want to be as far from legalistic as possible so i don't want to ever come out and say you can't watch this such and such movie a christian would never do that well that's a legalistic thing and it has the appearance of religion but it's worthless as colossians 2 says 
But I've found that when you start talking about this and going into detail, people tend to get defensive without you ever doing anything, even remotely considered attacking or anything like that. Yeah. One of the things that I've said frequently uh, throughout my teaching and and writing on this uh, subject is that just because you've never studied something or never heard about something doesn't mean it's not real. And, you know, a lot of people are hearing certain things for the first time when they read the two volumes of Spirit of the Antichrist, because it's pretty broad. I mean, I cover a lot of elements of the of the conspiracy and a lot of categories that are completely new to people. And their knee-jerk reaction is to dismiss it. But you need to remember, just because you've never heard of something uh, doesn't mean it, it's not real. Uh, and I, I find I come across new information almost daily, certainly weekly. I get sent links or articles or emails or books to you know, that people suggest that open up whole new realms of layers of this, you know, the inner workings of Satan's cabal trying to usher in this one world uh, system. Now, I want to go back real quick before you go on to what you said about the different apps. Um, who were the couple of guys you mentioned? Uh, the one I'm familiar with is C. SETI, and yeah. uh, it's Dr. Stephen Greer. Yeah. Uh, you know, and he's, you know, he's very into the, uh, you know, these, these aliens that are coming, they're, you know, beyond our consciousness kind of thing. Yeah. And he has apps and things now where it teaches you how to make contact with them. And is this, is that SETI in there? Is that the, the SETI organization, the, the acronym, a search for extraterrestrial intelligence or something? So or it's his different? own. It, it's his own organization, the letter C and then SETI. S-E-T-I? Uh, yep, C-S-E-T-I. Yeah, yeah yep. I think there's a connection there, yeah. Yeah, and, and interestingly, uh, Lawrence Rockefeller is very heavily involved in funding. Well, before he died, he, uh, he's deceased now. But the Rockefellers were involved in funding all these guys. <laughs> and, you know, it's interesting. You read books by these guys, and they talk about how great the Rockefellers are. Well, of course, they're the benefactors. So yeah. it just there's another connection. Yeah, no question. The Rockefellers yeah. have their fingers in just about everything. But um, so one app that I uh, – have come across. Uh, and on the one hand, it's kind of a fun little game, but at the same time, I know the guy that know about the guy that put it together. I've actually tried to meet him, but he ended up, uh, I don't think he's around anymore. Uh, he was from New York city, but he was part of the remote viewing crowd, which I've talked a lot about that in the, you know, the CIA, uh, uh, program there, uh, to, to do MK, to do, uh, remote viewing. We did some recent discussions of that in our Pro- Tuesday night prophecy night. So you can go back and check some of those. Um, but, uh, the movie men who stare at goats was based on the true life story of some of those guys that were involved in remote viewing, very real, very accurate in some cases, but very demonic, very spiritual in its origins, but they put together this app and I think it's called, I think it's just called the ESP app. I haven't fiddled with it in a long time, but basically it's just a simple little algorithm where you see, I think it's six, no, four, four squares, four color squares on your uh, phone. Have you seen this, uh, Lucas? No. All right. So it's got four squares. They're each colors, the different color. They almost look like that old Simon game, uh, uh, if you're familiar with that. And then, but behind one of them is a picture, just a like a scene or a, a mountainside or an ocean or something. And so you have, I think it's 24 attempts to select one. And you're trying to look at the four and guess which one has the picture behind it. Okay. And it's also multi-sensory because if you push the one that does, it plays a pleasant little tune, you know, and it shows the picture. If you press the one that one of the ones that doesn't, it's going to give you like an error, like a, you know, that kind of a thing. So all that together, you know, you're supposed to practice this and then it gives you a scale at the end. And if you got, so statistically you would think what, six times you would get the correct one because it's a 25% chance, you know, every time. Um, so you do it 24 times. If you get, you know, seven or eight, it says you might have a little bit of ESP. If you get nine or 10, you know, you're this, you know, you're even more. And if you get, I think it was more than 11. I don't remember the exact scale, but if you get up there, something that statistically is pretty high uh, or unusual, then it basically says, hey, call this number, contact us. You know, we think you have extrasensory mm-hmm. abilities. Um, and so it's kind of interesting. Um uh, to kind of play around with it, but I, do you think something like that, uh, since you've really studied kind of the interplay between the spirit realm and the realm of materialism, 
could that be a, a conduit or any kind of an avenue that could maybe be a gateway for un- evil spirits? Or what do you think? To me, just hearing about that for the first time, it sounds like a door to open. You know, you said a gateway, door to open, mm-hmm. an avenue. Yeah, I'm, I'm, any of that's fine. Are there demons within that app? Probably not. You know, when you, if you put it on your phone and you're just tapping things, trying to guess, are demons involved in that? Probably not. But if you're doing that and starting to depend on it and thinking, well, maybe I really am a, some sort of psychic. Yeah. That's where it can go. Where, yeah, yeah there can absolutely be that. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you, have, uh, you have the thing where people would grab an object you know, and tell you about, you know, cousin Louie, you know, he's dead, but he was like this and this and this, and here's the secret thing he left for you in his house. Uh, you know, I forget the, the exact name for that study. It's an ology. I just forget it. Uh, but, you know, that's real. That happens. I mean, that's, that is a verifiably thing that people that can do that do around. Well, they're not getting, you know, there is a spiritual element to that, that they're being fed that information. And that's kind of why I led with that Deuteronomy passage is that stuff is going Mm. to happen. Mm. And so we need to be aware of, we shouldn't be surprised when it does. Yeah. So, um, Oh, since, since you mentioned the remote viewing, I think I mentioned this last time, but, uh, you know, in the temptation of Jesus, you know, it says the devil taking him up on a high mountain, showing him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. That's a very interesting passage to me Mm. because there's no mountain on the earth that shows all the kingdoms of the world. And uh, it also says he showed it all to the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Wow. Well, to me, that means, and in the next, the next temptation, he brought him to Jerusalem. Well, that's transporting Jesus's body, which, you know, he had a physical body, a human while he was here on earth, took him to Jerusalem from the wilderness where he was. He took him from the wilderness to a mountain. What did he do? Show him a vision. Mm. Well, boy, if if that's what Satan's capable of, we kind of talked about this last time, the rest of the evil spirits, they may be able to do that too. So if somebody mentions you know, getting to go somewhere different. They mentioned going out in the universe and being shown this kind of stuff or traveling. We should not be surprised that that's possible because we've got biblical evidence saying the devil can do it. Well, let's talk about that for a second. So, so you're trying to, you're, you're making the connection here between OBEs or astral projection, those types of things, and maybe uh, um, lucid dreaming, that kind of stuff. Uh, that is a fascinating observation about the temptation story. I've never thought about connecting that with remote viewing and that type of thing, I guess. So let's break that down for a second. Obviously, Jesus is God, so he's omniscient. He can see everything, know everything. So the concept of Jesus seeing all the kingdoms of the world makes sense because he's God. Mm -hmm. But in the text, it actually says, you know, Satan showed him as if Satan was looking at those things too. Mm -hmm. Now that has some implications because I've pointed out often that, uh, you know, Satan is not omniscient. He's not omnipresent. He's not omnipotent. Mm -hmm. Uh, He cannot be everywhere at the same time. But obviously we have evidence of even non-angelic beings, just human beings, like the the whole uh, uh, remote viewing project and these, you know, guys like Ingo Swan and others, uh, they've been able to, to see things that you normally wouldn't see with your human perception. Yeah. So I guess that kind of challenges a little bit of my, um, my paradigm is, is to what extent can Satan and his evil spirits see beyond you know, their face face value and see beyond what normally people would be able to see? Well, to me, it seems like Satan's capable of showing visions. You know, uh, John was caught up into heaven and the whole book of Revelation is essentially, a vi- I know about not the whole thing, but most of it's a big vision, right? And we know God did that throughout the scripture. He would show people visions. From this passage, it sure seems like Satan is capable of showing a vision. Now, yeah, Satan is not omniscient, and he's not everywhere at once. I, I would, I guess I would say, I would think he'd be able to move pretty fast. 
Mm-hmm. And so that, and that's, and I, how fast, I don't know if you want to go into the, you know, dimensional different dimensions or alternate dimensions, uh, you know, if you want to define it that way, that's fine. But as far as moving through our space and time, it's quick, uh, whatever it is. Yeah. He's not limited by physicality, right? So mm-hmm. he can, and so can the spirits. So, but still that's, that's different from omniscience, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, so it's, yeah, so that's that makes sense to me. But uh, yeah, that's really so. You know, was Satan exercising, you know, remote viewing capabilities by, uh, you know, by showing him all these things at a moment in time, like you said. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the 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 teleportation, for lack of a better word, that part doesn't really. Uh, you know, affect me because as you said, obviously Satan being spirit, he can instantly go from one place to another. He can't be in both at the same time, but he can be in one very quickly. Um, and then Jesus is God. He can go wherever he wants from one place to another. So yeah, yeah really fascinating stuff. Continue. Yeah. I just, so when I hear about, yeah, the Ingo Swan remote viewing, uh, you know, there was the, the, what I forget the name of the book, but Jim Mars studied it and he did that. And there was the, you know, the fight between the Russian remote viewers and the American remote viewers and that. I think it was uh, Rise of the Fourth Reich, wasn't it? Or not? Uh, he has a book specifically on oh. the whole remote viewing. It's not, but Rise of the Fourth Reich, that's a good one too. Um, but, you know, to me, when I read this passage, I have no problem with people saying uh, they, they felt like they went somewhere or they were shown this or even say an alien abduction. Uh, I was taken up, I saw this spaceship and we traveled around and then there was this lapse in time. Given what Satan seems to be doing here in the temptation, I really have no problem with that. It seems like he's capable of doing it. Mm -hmm. Would I die on that hill and start a church over it? I don't know that I would, but it sure seems plausible and possible. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I guess uh, let's do let, let's do another one. Uh, this one's a big one, uh, and, and sometimes it's kind of missed in the paranormal, but it's in First uh, Timothy uh, chapter four, and you'll know this very well. Uh, now, in the spirit, now the spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. And I know doctrine just means teaching or something like that. And what's interesting is now Paul gives us a couple examples, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, uh, population control, have we heard that before? Uh, Commanding to abstain from foods with God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. Uh, You shouldn't eat meat because that's, you know, hurting animals. Uh, You know, we just have a couple examples of these doctrines, but, you know, this teaching goes deep. Um, we just finished, I'll kind of rehash this just a little bit. We fin- almost are done with a series on the Christian Underground News Network where we looked at pre-fall foundations and we looked at some of the uh, suppositions of what, uh, you know, God laid out before the fall. And, you know, it's very clear that God is the one taking care of the earth. We tend it, we take care of what he gave us, but God is the one taking care of the earth. Isn't it interesting how the whole environmental movement is all about humans taking care of the earth? Mm-hmm. That's a doctrine of the demon. Why? Well, because Satan wants to rule the earth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's right. It's that's what uh, uh, Prince Charles, now King Charles III, uh, put forth with his Terra Carta. Uh, I talk about that in the in volume two of Spirit of the Antichrist, where he modeled it after the Magna Carta, which of course is the foundation for all modern law, uh, common law in Britain and the, the U.S. Constitution. But you know, in the same way that humans have inalienable rights, he says plants and the earth itself has inalienable rights, and so we need this Terra Carta that gives the earth the right to supersede anything humans do, and that you know we've got to basically worship the earth. So yeah, it's. Uh, it's very, absolutely a doctrines of demons that is spreading and getting worse, which is one more sign of the times. Uh, and by the way, the subtitle of my two books, uh, Spirit of the Antichrist, Volumes 1 and 2, is The Gathering Cloud of Deception. So that's why I really love your stuff, uh, Lucas. We're talking with Lucas Doremus here, uh, uh, friend, colleague, author. Uh, his book is Deceiving by Signs, A Study of Power Signs and Lying Wonders in the Bible. You can get check it out at Amazon.com. But I love your stuff because it 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 shows us that everything that we're seeing has a biblical answer, right? 
Mm-hmm. Uh, the other passage about doctrines of demons is in James chapter 3, verse 14. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom, well, you could teaching, this wisdom, this knowledge, does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. Well, I would argue we do see the world getting more selfish. Uh, what You have a name for it. It's the epidemic of selfishness or something oh yeah the, no the uh, narcissism epidemic ah there it is yeah, yeah that's yeah. the name that's demonic <laughs> yeah no doubt it, yeah. It, it is and and here we have biblical verse saying exactly it is demonic yeah now it's now it's sinful human too i mean we don't need demons to be sinful but but it is demonic yeah. And, you know, and by the way, obviously I didn't coin that phrase. Uh, there've been books written about it, journal articles written about it. Psychologists and psychiatrists have talked about it for the last uh, decade or maybe a decade and a half. Uh, but it's just this notion that, you know, narcissism and pride are good. In fact, I cite in the book, I have a whole chapter on, on the narcissism epidemic in volume two. And I cite, you know, mainstream business journals that talk about how you need to be narcissistic to get ahead and it's going to gift you raises and promotions and it's going to have you stand out of, you know, so this whole notion of humility, which is the biblical model and how, you know, humility comes before honor and pride comes before destruction is turned on its head. And of course it all goes back to uh, Lucifer. And I know, you know, this passage, but Isaiah 14 and the famous five, I will statements of Lucifer. It's all about pride. I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the Mount of the congregation. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds and I will be like the most high God. So really everything emanates from this, you know, total uh, narcissistic, you know, desire uh, to, to, to be your own God. Yeah. And you know, that passage, it's interesting you bring that up because we're talking about more demons primarily than Satan. I tend to think that the, the reason the other evil spirits fell is because they kind of thought the same thing as Lucifer, which would make sense because we know that the, uh, you know, the Luciferian agenda doesn't always get along. We kind of mentioned last time, I, I kind of think that happens in the demonic ranks too, well, it's because they probably have the same goals as Satan in that passage. They think they can be the greatest, or they probably wouldn't have joined Satan in the first place. So there could be, and I'm not saying this is the way it is, there could be evil spirits that think they can usurp Satan. Oh, I, I would say, yeah, it's definitely a possibility. And I, I would even say it a little bit stronger. I think we we have some biblical evidence of, the, of that, that there's these rankings. I think we talked about last time that, you know, we know Satan uh, was a cherub and many people assume, and this is kind of the view that I have taken uh, through the years, although I'm, I'm rethinking it in many ways uh, as I really continue to connect scripture and try to really study angelology. But, uh, you know, a cherub could very well be a different class of being than an angel, yeah. uh, not, a, not a, a level or ranking of angel, but actually a different celestial being, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, you've got cherubs, you've got seraphim, you've got, or seraphs would be the English, uh, you've got, uh, you know, uh, fallen angels, you've got Nephilim, you've got demons, which could be just another name for fallen angel, or could be some other newer offshoot uh, that that gave rise, you know, after the flood and into the New Testament era. But the point is, they're all fallen beings, and they are like Satan, prideful. And of course, there's infighting and there's, you know, contradictory agendas. And uh, so I have no doubt that that's part of the reason Satan hasn't been able to usher in his long desired one world system just yet. I mean, apart from, of course, God's sovereignty, you know, God is the right. ultimate arbiter of the timetable, but from a purely linear perspective, you know, it's not like Satan can just make a pronouncement, snap his finger, and it's done. He's got to, he's got to deal with these free will agents of of the the angelic world and convince them to go along. And I I'd absolutely believe there's a rebellion going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I th- I think here's actually this kind of goes into the next. Uh, this isn't a direct uh, demonic power, but I think it's really worth. M- uh, mentioning which is idolatry 
Mm. You know, this comes out of the Ten Commandments. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in an earth beneath or that is in water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children of the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and to keep my commandments. And again, we've mentioned we are not under the law, but boy, I tell you, First John... <laughs> <laughs> ends with saying little, my little children or little children keep yourselves from idols mm. Mm. once you start giving that kind of i'll just call it attention to some kind of image in our age whether it's physical or digital that could be an opening for something to start coming through with that um mm. you know if you start placing your faith that an idol you bury in your front yard is going to do something special for you. Well, you know, Satan might come along and actually make that something happen. And yeah. now that deception is now idolatry and see now how the demonic power is connected to what we regard or worship. So it's just, it's a connection we need to be very well aware of. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. So, you know, um, as you as you deal with you know your kids, you've got mm -hmm. uh, kids still at home. Um, are you obviously teaching them about this stuff? Or I mean, because I get emails from people all the time that say, you know, how can we prepare the next generation if the Lord were not to you know were to delay His coming somehow, or it were to be delayed? You know, how, how do you interact with your kids on all this stuff? Uh, I think, you know, and, and JB, after going through the past three years of government lockdowns and all the things we went through at, at most people's level, like you have a, you have a much bigger platform than I do. And God has clearly called you to go out and tell people about this. Uh, you know, and, and you've invited me on my show. So I guess here's my, you know, 15 seconds of fame, but for, for most of us, the best way is to just not participate, hmm. you know? Don't go get a shot. Don't order from this place that's, you know, from Target that hire the Satanists to do their clothing line. You know, just don't participate in that kind of stuff. I mean, that's such a good way to do it. So as we raise our kids, we just try not to participate in a lot of that stuff. Um, you know, it's a parenting is a personal thing between each parent and God. So I'm sure, you know, any of your listeners could look at some of the things we do and say I'm wrong about it, and that's okay. Uh, but yeah, we do tell them about it, but I explain it to them at their level. Mm -hmm. We do explain to them that, yeah, there are evil spirits out there, just like there's good spirits, like angels out there. And you know what, you know, like my kids, they didn't, we, we have an upstairs and a downstairs. And if it was at nighttime, they don't want to go downstairs where it's dark. They don't want to go through their room at dark. And so we would tell them, boys, not there are angels all around us because we know we have ministering spirits and not only that but the holy spirit is inside of you and as we've gotten older we can now start saying you know jesus even told his disciples it was better for him to leave and for you to have the holy spirit so imagine that that it's better to have the holy spirit inside of you than to have jesus sitting next to you on the couch wow that is such a weird concept like what do you mean, Jesus? How could it be better than you be sitting next to me? But he said it was. And I'll tell you, JB, I don't, <laughs> I don't fully understand that. I, yeah. I'm telling you, that's part of a seeing through a glass darkly. And then what then I'll understand face to face kind of thing. But yeah, we explain it at their level. Yeah, that's another fascinating observation you just made. That's what I love about biblicists, you know, and, and I fashion myself a biblicist, but I'm not, you know, I, I you know, I, I, I kind of ebbs and flows as I, I'm more of a systematic theologian, which is connecting the dots of scripture. Um, and so, you know, you, you know, you really bring out observations as, as we always should. Well, every time we read scripture, we ought to, you know, look for observations. It's the number one rule of hermeneutics. Uh, but this concept that it, that the coming of the Holy Spirit and his presence in our lives is actually better, uh, that just shows you the power of the ministry of the Holy Spirit and what an amazing blessing it is to live in this age. Because the mm -hmm. Holy Spirit's ministry in the present church age is so unique compared to any other age. And, and that gets into understanding the, the church 
uh, the mystery of the church and the presence of the church age and the distinction between the church and say Israel and, and future in previous generations. So, uh, or, you know, eras, uh, but, but that, I really think it goes to the, the highly underestimated and undervalued ministry of the Holy spirit to convict, encourage discernment, uh, comfort. He is called the paraclete, the comforter in, in that same passage in the upper room discourse. Um, we don't depend on that enough, but, but what a fascinating way to, to articulate that to kids is that, you know, Jesus promised us that, you know, the ministry of the Holy Spirit would be our comforter, even in the dark, even in the thunderstorms, even when, you know, you think there's a, you hear a creaking floor or whatever, he's, he's there. Um, you know, you, you talked about talking about it with them, obviously, you know, depends on what age your kids are, you know, at how you talk about them at their level. But when we first woke up, which was in about 2007, uh, and it was in the context of studying 9-11. And I don't talk about it a whole lot, and it gets me in trouble every time I do. So I'm sure this will, you know, kind of cause some a little bit of lash, uh, you know, lashing back here. But uh, it's relevant in that, you know, when we began to realize that the official narrative about 9-11 was not accurate, uh, that's what really started launched us down this rabbit hole. And our kids were uh, we have six kids, as I think most people know, uh, and they would have been um, mostly, uh, you know, the, the older two would have been in high school, younger four were, you know, obviously younger than that in varying levels. But we gathered every almost every night for weeks, and we would watch different documentaries, we would watch, you know, any new historical reality that I came across that I learned I had been lied to about. We watched it and we would pause it repeatedly and answer questions and talk about it and make comments. And the kids will probably tell you they got sick of it at some point, but it built into them this worldview that, you know, nothing is as it appears. You've been lied to. The history books are lying. The textbooks in schools are lying. The mainstream media is lying, the mockingbird media. And you need to, you know, double check everything, test the spirits, as 1 John 4 1 says. And so it was a really fascinating time in our life, and we just had an overwhelming burden, and I especially as the, the leader in the home, to make sure that our kids didn't buy the lie. And obviously, as they've grown up, they're all adults, they make their own choices, uh, and uh, you know, to greater and lesser degrees, they, they all get the conspiracy, they all understand you know, that life is not as it appears, um, but they make their own choices as to the implications of that, how they live out their, their life. But I think it's critical for people to, to engage their kids in this and make sure that they're not swallowing the official narrative hook, line, and sinker. Yeah. Uh, two, two stories just from my parental experience. You know, when I pray for my kids uh, and, you know, growing them growing up to know the Lord and all the things, I realize that the probably the biggest way God is going to help them grow up the right way is me and my wife. <laughs> and so when things started getting locked down in 2020, so that would make, you know, my kids about three years younger. So they were seven and five. Uh, we had, we were having a service where a guy would come spray our house for bugs. And this guy, he was wonderful. He was a good conservative guy. I don't know if he was a believer or not, but he was very conservative. You know, we'd hear him listening to conservative talk shows when he was spraying our house. And uh, one day, you know, then this 2020, so we're not allowed to go places without a mask. We're not allowed to do that. My older son, who's seven, goes, Dad, why do we have to go to a store and wear a mask, but our bug guy can come over to our house and he doesn't have to wear a mask? And mm. I just went, you know what? I couldn't say it any better. You're right, buddy. So for, for all the terrible things that happened in 2020 and the way it set the stage, all the things you talk about, it built my kids to start having opinions about this because I'm like you, I researched it. I didn't buy the narrative and we would talk about that. Well, throughout time, they've, <laughs> they've gotten interested in Bigfoot. They kind of, they kind of like the Bigfoot stories. They think it's kind of funny and you know, it's kind of this character to them, but I, I will, I will say as a parent, since I've done research into that, we talk about it. I remember we were going on a hike and I probably talked to my older kid who was maybe eight or nine at the time. We probably talked 20, 25 minutes straight about Bigfoot and theories and sightings 
and we went home and we watched the Patterson Gimli film with oh, my kids yeah. and we <laughs> talked about it. I mean, and so now it's still, they're still, you know, seven and almost 10. So mm-hmm. I'm not saying my kids are, okay, I'm not doing that. But at the same time, they will, they will tell people in public, sometimes to my embarrassment, you know, some people think Bigfoot's an animal, but we think it's a demon because, and they will spout <laughs> off these things we talk about. But, so, you know, so much of that is just age appropriate. Talk to your kids about what's going on. My kids realize things about the government that are wrong. We have talked about aliens and stuff because it comes up. They see it on the toy shelves or they see their friends talking about it or whatever it is. And we talk about what the Bible says and we talk about things that it could be and different theories. And always make sure, you know, you're coming at it from a, this is what God says. And this is what the biblical view is on it. You don't have yeah. to say it in those words, but always make sure that's where it's coming from. Yeah, no question. And and we, you know, we did the same thing. Uh, we we love Bigfoot, by the way, that the fascinating subject. Uh, we've been to uh, one of the largest Bigfoot museums in, uh, in America, and that's in the Blue Ridge Mountains area. Um, but again, it's all through a biblical lens. And so I can remember as the kids got older and, uh, you know, we started traveling a lot for NBW Ministries, we would listen to podcasts. And uh, for a while there, because some of the kids were younger and some were older, I would take trips and it wouldn't be the whole family every time. Sometimes it would just be me and one or two of the kids, the older ones, to help you know, work with the, with the booth at the conference uh, exhibit hall and so forth. And so we would listen to, you know, pretty edgy podcasts about various topics and we would pause them and we would ask biblical questions about, hey, is what this guest on this program just said, is it, does it, you know, make sense from a biblical view? And if not, what could be the, the right answer? And we would sort of run it all through the grid of scripture to come up with a biblical worldview on it. Unfortunately, Today, as we talked about a few moments ago, a lot of people hear terms like Bigfoot, um, and they immediately close down. And and I've had that happen. I've had people that, you know, are otherwise rock-solid eschatologists and people that understand the Bible and understand the end times, and they're pretty interested in conspiratorial stuff about what Satan's trying to do. But there's some topics that are still a little too far out there, and they just sort of dismiss it. And I'm going, look, I'm not saying you know, Bigfoot is a, a a biological weird, you know, animal that we just haven't discovered, uh, you know, but the fact that he exists is undeniable, just like the fact that UFOs exist is undeniable. There's just mountains and centuries worth of evidence. The question is, what is it? What is it? And, and the Bible answers those questions. If you understand the kinds of stuff that you're talking about in your book about power signs, line wonders, and demonic activity. So, but yeah, I loved I loved hearing you. I love hearing you talk about you know these conversations with your kids because especially homeschooled kids, which yours are, you know they just uh, they're so precocious and they they're not afraid to uh, you know to ask questions and talk about stuff. And uh, and you know our kids were the were the same way. And you know especially I think giving them the big picture of a healthy distrust of mainstream narratives, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I get that sometimes you hear things and they're true, you know, um, you know, you don't want to have, you know, the emergency alert system go off and say, you know, Hey, there's a tornado coming your way. Mm-hmm. You don't want to go, Oh, well, that's the government. They're lying to right. <laughs> Yep. There's, there's a, yeah, there's some discernment there. Um, but a healthy distrust uh, and skepticism uh, you know, I talked about this recently in a, in a Q&A that really, if you start with the knee-jerk reaction of this is probably not true and then work from there uh, rather than the other way around, I think you, nine times out of 10, you're going to be right. And so, uh, yeah, so fascinating. Uh, thanks for kind of sharing a little bit about your, you know, the, the, the parental question. But uh, what else is on your uh, on your heart? Oh, uh, well. You know, I don't know how much time we have left, but uh, I there's a, you know, one one more, I guess one more passage we'll talk about. Again, it's not a specific demonic power, but it goes into some of the things that are connected. Uh, this passage is pretty famous. Uh, this is Deuteronomy 18. Um, and if you've studied this subject, you know this passage. It's a big list. 
Uh, and again, it's talking to Israel. Uh, it's chapter 18, verse 9. It says, When you come into the land which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire. And so that's kind of the one thing, child sacrifice. We really mm -hmm. haven't talked about that much. Now, where, you know, I kind of always wondered, you know, where did that idea come from? Where did the idea that if I, you know, put my kid in a fire on an idol or, you know, whatever the practice was of the culture, then I will get rain or whatever it is, you know, where did that come from? Um, I think it's, I think it's perfectly possible that a demon showed up and told him just like a demon showed up to Joseph Smith or a demon showed up to Muhammad or, you know, you know, I mean, I just think it's possible, but it goes on. Here's the things we've been talking about or one who practices witchcraft or a soothsayer or one who interprets omens, a sorcerer, one who conjures spells or a medium or a spiritist or one who calls up the dead. So it's all, it's all connected. You know, these occultic things, these practices, they're connected together. You know, a person that has a familiar spirit is also is often also going to do, say, astrology or a person that levitates is also going to recommend, you know, meditation or, you know, some Hindu practices of something. Th they're connected. Yeah. So, you know, you just said yourself, you know, you love to make those connections. You know, these demonic powers, they're they're connected and you're going to see them together often. Yeah, we, we yeah. see them in both a New and Old Testament alike lumped together in these litany lists of, you know, uh, evil activities. But we tend to think of them in isolation. But there is a connection. There's a reason they're lumped together. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I talk about child sacrifice in uh, a message I did in Orlando back in March, and we have the podcast of it available, or you can get the full video of it through prophecywatchers.com. Uh, and I've referenced it in a few other places as well. I just can't think of them off the top of my head. But I trace how child sacrifice has been, the history of it has been present on every continent. And I mentioned several different countries and regions and, you know, everything, even in North America. Uh, and it's still going on today. And there's no doubt that that's demonic, you know, and yes. it's demonic because Satan loves death. You know, uh, he wants to to kill people and he convinced people of these, this deception that if you'll just give your child, kill your child to this false god, of course, he doesn't admit that it's false, but that's what it is, <laughs> right. then, you know, these good things will happen. Um, but it's never about what it's about. He's got an ulterior motive there, which is death. He he wants to kill people. Uh, he loves death. That's why he's approached Adam and Eve and lied to them and said, you will not surely die. Uh, yeah. Because he, he, was, he was lying. He was, he was basically, you know, think of it from Satan's perspective. I want to kill Adam and Eve. Uh, they think if they do this, they'll die. And that's a bad thing. So if I really do want them to die, what I'm going to do is tell them, do this. And it's a good thing. You won't die. You know, God was, was lying. Well, really Satan was the, was the one that was lying, but uh, today, and, and I don't know if we want to take the time to get into it, but there's a lot of upsurge in satanic ritual abuse, child sacrifice, placing your child on the author. And that's what the Hebrew means there. And it talks about passing through the fire, you know, allowing one of your sons or daughters to pass through the fire. It means literally placing your young child on an altar and burning them to death. Let's just yes. be real. Yep, and yep. so that's happening today. It's happening. You know, it's it's frightening the kind of stuff. I mean, Jim Caviezel has come out recently with, you know, all kinds of smoking gun evidence of this. And of course, if you follow other uh, horrific things like the Franklin cover up and the whole Pizzagate scandal and stuff, you know that they actually have mock ceremonies uh, where they're eating the the f supposed flesh of children on altars. Why is that? Because it's demonic. It's what Satan's leading them to do. I mean, there's no end to the evil that people will will engage in when they're under the influence of satanic uh, demons, you know? Yeah. And I don't know if you've ever had an experience like this, JB, but if you're going to go down the road and research some of this stuff, it's dark. Mm -hmm. And you've got to be very spiritually mature. Yeah. Um, my, my, my wife had, so this, this really happened. And again, you can believe me or not, uh, but she was really looking, I can't remember exactly what it was, but she was really researching one of these topics. 
Um, and we were going at the time we were going to church in a hotel and this happened with the yeses the family you know and we were mm -hmm. talking about the, whatever topic it was i can't remember um and sarah felt a scratch on her arm now she was wearing long sleeves because it was winter we got home and she had what looked like three claw marks down her arm mm. Mm. now again it wasn't there before church and she felt it and she had long sleeves she wouldn't have scratched herself on anything and it was there when we got home and she went back and she realized she was not reading her Bible in any correct proportion compared to all the things she was reading. Mm. And so it can be, you know, you got to be ready. And I actually give that warning in my book when I talk about this. Mm -hmm. You got to be spiritually ready to go yeah. down that road. Boy, that is fascinating. I had not heard that story. I, I do uh, know the yeses very well. Garth was a, a dear friend and a great partner in the conspiracies. Uh, I've when I did his funeral, I made the comment because uh, he he died suddenly. Uh, yep. Great, great man of God. You know, him. he was your pastor, I guess, for, oh, for a time. Oh, yeah. yes. And uh, uh, he has six kids, just just like me and Wendy. We were, he was same age as me. Uh, his kids were younger because he got married later but uh super man of god and uh but very much into understanding the luciferian conspiracy we would compare notes regularly even after we moved to colorado uh we we were in touch regularly and his death was one of the most difficult things in my life but i, I mentioned at his funeral that i'm jealous because he 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 knows all the conspiracies. Now. He, he you knows know, them, yeah. he, he gets it. He, he knows who shot Kennedy. You know, he knows where it was gold <laughs> in Fort Knox, you know, all that stuff. So um, but uh, you you are you are exactly right about the darkness of it. I have books. I'm looking at one shelf full of them and they're all around me in my office of, of about New World Order, Luciferian conspiracy stuff. I have multiple books on my shelf that I have started for research and had to put down after just a chapter or two, because I just cannot read them. And, you know, I got the gist of it and I, I hope someday to be able to go back and read them and just for the knowledge of it, but they're so sickening and so dark, it affects you. And, mm -hmm. and Satan knows that. And so he, you know, we've experienced all kinds of paranormal stuff. I won't take the time to get into it, but through the years, we've we've seen it, not just spiritual attacks. We get that, and we're, we feel like we're going through a season of that right now with all that's going on in our world. But I'm talking about more the kind of stuff that, you know, uh, Sarah experienced that you just yeah. talked about. Um, so, yeah, that's a great caution to, you need to study this stuff. But if you're not equipped and prepared for it, let other people study it and just read the Cliff's notes. Yeah. yeah. And and kind of kind of went off that on that tangent, and that's great. But with the connection of these things, you know, just as a modern example, you know, you go down to the San Luis Valley where the Skinwalker Ranch and things are, you'll see the cattle mutilation, but the same time that happens, you also hear about orbs in the sky. And there will also be stories about black un, you know, unmarked helicopters. And there's all these things that kind of surround. Um, and one now, of the now the Skinwalker Ranch that's in North that's in the Ute Indian Reservation. Oh. You went to Basin. Yeah. Sorry, I, yeah. I was a little off. I just mean it's all it's all connected. Excuse yeah, me. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and a biblical way to look at that is if you look at Babylon in Revelation, it says uh, this is uh, the fall of Babylon in chapter 18 of Revelation in verse two, and he cried. That's this angel mightily with a loud voice saying babylon the great is fallen is fallen and has become a dwelling place of demons mm. now i pull from that that apparently there are places on earth that demons like to dwell and so when you hear about you know say evil places or places that make you feel unnatural or something like that i think that's biblical now how many are there what exactly happens i don't know i'm just saying Babylon in the end times is a dwelling place of demons. Well, theoretically, then they like to hang out and congregate in certain areas. Yeah. It's not a surprise. We see a lot of that connected in certain places. Absolutely. We call them territorial spirits. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we can correlate that to Ephesians 6 and some of the rankings there that we see mm -hmm. of evil spirits. Uh, I can testify firsthand, you know, we've traveled extensively. I've done a lot of boots on the ground research now for 17 years, been to some of the most evil places 
uh, on earth, you know, uh, been to uh, Bohemian Grove, been to uh, Newtown, Connecticut, right after Sandy Hook, been to, of course, the Georgia Guidestones, been to 9-11, been to Shanksville, right where the plane went down. I've been to some pretty, you know, I've been up to Ruby Ridge. I've been to uh, a lot of places where, you know, there were these massive just manifestations of evil things happening. Uh, and I can tell you, there are places when we travel that we go through that we can just sense there's a darkness there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard to quantify, um, but it's it's there and it's biblical. And, you know, I, I think, you know, I think you need to be so, so clued into the Holy Spirit and the word of God, as, as you, Sarah said in your illustration, you know, uh, the word of God is what Jesus used to combat Satan in that wilderness encounter that we talked about a while ago. Uh, and the word of God is what's going to protect us. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. So stay in the word as a protection against some of these evil thoughts and evil spirits. But uh, yeah, and there's, you know, God, there is a uh, just an innate thing that God has created in us about fear and where to just go. And I think the Holy Spirit is an, is an addition to that. Uh, I think unbelievers even have some just kind of innate sense mm-hmm. of fear that physically God created us with. Yeah. But when the Holy Spirit's talking again, or you see something that just isn't quite right, it, trust that feeling. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Get yeah. out or don't believe it or you know whatever it is. Trust yeah, it, even if you don't know why. Wendy and I call it trust your gut. And yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, there are so many sort of precincts reporting, so to speak, you know, you've got life experience, you know, Proverbs 15, 31 says the ear that hears the rebukes of life will abide among the wise. So, you know, if you, if you have, you know, you, you, you draw on your life experience to learn from, you know, certain circumstances that you've had before. It's that natural intuition that you talked about that I think every human being has. It's that feeling when you're walking down the street and you have, you don't have eyes in the back of your head, but all of a sudden you sense that someone's behind you and you turn around and sure enough, 25 feet back, way out of earshot, there's a person and you're going, oh, I just kind of sensed that they were there. And then there's that third most important component, which is the Holy Spirit's clear, you know, impressing upon your heart, you know, not in a revelatory way. We're not talking the new revelation here where we got to add a book to the Bible. We're talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit to convict, encourage, rebuke, protect, and all those things together uh, you know, you need to trust it when you have that sense. Yep, absolutely. Well, I can tell we're gonna we're gonna want to have you back on. Let's check our calendars for next week. I know it's a holiday week, but let's uh, let's connect offline here. What I'd like to do, um, you know, you used to sit under my teaching, so I don't know if it's appropriate to give an assignment to you or not. But uh, anyway, you're not under no obligation to fulfill it. But I'd love for you to come up with some more uh, anecdotal things. Uh, that you can then correlate, you know, like you talked about uh, tonight, this whole idea of territorial spirits and Bigfoot and other things that you can then relate back to scripture that, you know, will help people see that this stuff is real. So um, maybe we can have you back on here soon. Yeah, I've got a couple myself that have happened to me. uh, Oh, wow. You know, and just, just things that, you know, you can't quite explain. But you're like, I know they happened, and I know it might sound a little ridiculous when I tell you, but it happened. Yeah, I, I, you know, that's a great teaser, and I'm very tempted to just talk about it now, but I'm going to leave it out there as a good podcast host. You know, I'm going to put my podcast hoster hat on and say, hey, this is going to be something that when we have you on, hopefully next week, I can introduce in the earlier podcast and say, hey, don't miss Lucas, you know, this week, he's going to tell us this. But I can tell you the same thing. Yeah, I've got I've got experiences, many of which I've related in various context books or you know messages or articles through the years. But I got a few tucked away that I've never told anybody. That I just they're just too bizarre from my childhood and things that I I've I've asked my parents about sometimes just to make sure my memories were accurate. Uh, but things that I know um, are are not of this world and. Uh, you know, uh, anyway, yeah, let's, let's do it again. So Lucas, you are a blessing and you're tell, say hello to your family for us. If you're listening today and, and, and this stuff has really piqued your interest or intrigued you in some way, 
uh, let's not forget that priority number one is to make sure that you know the Lord, that you're right with God, uh, that you have been made right with a holy God. And the only way to do that is by faith in Jesus Christ, God's son, who died and rose again for your sins. And, uh, you know, you can't earn your way back into good standing with God. You can't earn your way into heaven. You can't do enough good things. It's it's only one way, and that's through Jesus Christ, who he himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So if you're listening today and you're not certain that you'll spend eternity in heaven, let me encourage you to place your faith today in Jesus Christ, who took your place on the cross, paid your penalty for sins, and offers, rose again, defeating death, hell, and the grave, and offers to you that free gift uh, if you'll simply trust him for it. So, Lucas, any closing thoughts? Uh, well, I do have a passage if you've got that much yeah, time. Yeah, you betcha. It's a quick one. It's, yeah. it's out of Luke 10. Now, in Luke 10, Jesus sends out those 70 disciples, and they come back, and a lot of people are you know, know this passage where they say, the 70 return with joy, and they're saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And, uh, you know, Jesus earlier said he gave them power over the demons. Now, that was specific to these 70 disciples. Yeah. He's not bestowing that same power upon us. But there's a principle here. And he says, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Mm. So it's exactly what you just said. As much paranormal as we do, we are to stand against and we have the armor of God. The important thing is that we're going to heaven because we believed in Jesus. Amen. I love that. And I love that passage. That great point. So, mm -hmm. well, thanks again, uh, Lucas. Uh, we'll do this again, Lord willing, next week, depending on your schedule, but soon for sure. And then uh, for the rest of you, thanks for tuning in. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Tune in Sunday for Plum Creek Chapel. You can go to notbyworks.org, click the live stream button and learn more about uh, that. Uh, but uh, until then, have a great weekend. God bless you, everyone. And we'll talk again soon.